As most of you know, we're a worldwide Christian denomination which welcomes everyone to worship with us, regardless of age or race, gender or status, sexuality or lifestyle. We embrace you. Whether you're visiting us for the first time or as a regular attender at this Zoom service, or later indeed on YouTube, you're most welcome. To play a full part in our services, you don't have to be a member of this church or indeed of any church. All that we ask is that you are sincerely seeking a relationship with God. Today, we recognize two important elements of our Christian life. First, that we don't shy away from the fact that our world is in a chaotic state at the moment due to the COVID-19 pandemic and also the uneasy political situation. Secondly, that in spite of this, we are all called to both serve and to follow the Jesus Christ who is our Lord and Master and who knows our difficulties, our worldwide difficulties and our personal difficulties. Um, and he wishes to help and to strengthen us to do his work in the world for the needy, the hungry, the homeless, the abused, the lost and forsaken, in spite of everything. Now, before we get into the, um, the greater part of our service, I, I would like to take a moment for you to ponder something. What do these statistics mean to you? Between 10 and 15,000, 250,000, 25% and 6 million. And all these figures are approximate. This Sunday is the nearest one to the 27th of January, which is Holocaust Memorial Day. When we remember the dead of the Holocaust, between 1939 and 1945. Although, of course, the killing preceded these dates throughout the 1930s. And the figures that I read out? Between 10 and 15,000 LGBT plus people, 250,000 people with disabilities of all kinds, People of different nationalities, particularly African people, 25% of all European Roma, that is used to be known as Gypsy people, and 6 million Jews. They were slaughtered by the Nazis, and we must never forget, nor let our children's children ever forget. This service is one of the opportunities we have to remember and also to bring our deepest desires to God and to ask for the healing which this world needs now more than ever. My friends, let us pray. Loving God, in the midst of this chaotic world, let your word be heard. In the midst of our personal distress, soothe our sorrows and grant us peace in our hearts, reminding us that with you, we will never have to bear the burdens of this life alone. Amen.
And now we'll have our first reading from the Gospel of Mark, read by Abby. Morgan will then read an interesting and challenging text chosen by Ashley, our preacher, who will then share her reflections on tonight's themes. I will offer um, our prayers afterwards. But now Abby will read to us. A reading from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1, verses 14 to 20. Now after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God and saying, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. As Jesus passed along the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me and I will make you fish for people. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. As he went a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, who were in their boats, mending their nets. Immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boats with the hired men and followed him. This is the word of God. A second reading is entitled on Living in an Atomic Age by C.S. Lewis. In what way, we think a great deal too much of the atomic bomb, asking, how are we to live in an atomic age? I'm tempted to reply, as you would have lived in the 16th century, when the plague visited London almost every year or as you would have lived in the Viking Age, when raiders from Scandinavia might land and cut your throat any night. Or indeed, as you are already living in an age of cancer, an age of syphilis, an age of paralysis, an age of air raids, an age of railway accidents, an age of motor accidents. In other words, do not let us begin by exaggerating the novelty of our situation. Believe me, dear sir or madam, you and all whom you love were already sentenced to death before the atomic bomb was invented. And quite a high percentage of us were already going to die in unpleasant ways. It is perfectly ridiculous to go on about whimpering and drawing long faces because the scientists have added one more chance of painful and premature death to a world which already bristled with such chances, and in which death itself was not a chance at all, but certainty. This is the first point to be made. And the first action to be taken is to pull ourselves together. If we are all going to be destroyed by an atomic bomb, let that bomb, when it comes, find us doing sensible and human things, praying, working, teaching, reading, listening to music, bathing the children, playing tennis, chatting to our friends over a pint and a game of darts. Not huddled together like frightened sheep, 
and thinking about bombs. They may break our bodies and a microbe can do that, but they need not dominate our minds. And here ends the second reading. Thank you very much to our readers tonight. Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be pleasing to you, Lord. Amen. So imagine it's the middle of summer. You're on your boat out at sea. It's five o'clock in the morning. The sun is beginning to creep over the horizon. The water is perfectly calm and still. As you repair the nets from the previous day, you're looking forward to another day of fishing. The freedom as the wind fills the sails to carry you across the blue surface. The purpose of casting nets to feed your village. The peace away from the chaos of the world and its many chaotic people. And then a man walks by on the shoreline. He shouts, come follow me and I will send you out to fish for people. With him are two other fishermen that you know. You look at your father and then your brother and the rest of the staff on the boat. What would you do? Would you stay on the boat filled with familiarity, security and comfort? Or would you get out of the boat and step into the unknown to follow a man you only just met, but yet there's something about him? Who is he? What is he talking about fishing for people? Is this guy mad? Am I getting myself into some kind of cult? What if this turns out for the worst? Those are the kind of questions we ask ourselves when we're faced with a decision to embrace uncertainty. And that's the decision that we find James and John in within the reading from Mark. A call to step off the boat, accepting and embracing uncertainty. Of course, adding context to this story, you understand that for a Jewish boy, becoming a rabbi was the equivalent to becoming a doctor or a lawyer a respected, noble profession from which to serve the world. Jesus was offering an opportunity too good to miss. But with John the Baptist having just been imprisoned for proclaiming Jesus and beheaded for telling the truth, I'm sure these disciples must have appreciated that the excitement of jumping out of the boat would be met with very real danger and chaos in the next three years to come. Let's talk about chaos for a moment. What is chaos? The ancient Greeks invented the word to describe a state of emptiness or complete abyss. It wasn't until the 1600s that the English modified it to the more familiar meaning of complete disorder. In physics, chaos describes a complex system whose behavior is so unpredictable that it appears to behave at random and is exceptionally sensitive to small changes. All of this aptly describes the chaos of today's world. There is complete disorder in the COVID-19 pandemic, global warming, flooding and famine. Democracy and economics are exceptionally sensitive to small changes that erupts into chaos, as we've just witnessed recently with political unrest in America and post-Brexit trade disruption. 
Even the global mental health crisis shows that for a growing number of the world exists a chaotic abyss devoid of meaning or purpose. I paint a bleak, bleak picture here, not to scare us into paralysis or pessimism, but to ground us in a sense of realism about the times we live in. So how do we deal with that kind of chaos? Well, how we see the world drives how we experience and react to chaos. There are several lenses through which to look at the world. The scientific lens, the political lens, the economic lens, and the spiritual lens. The scientific lens would lead us to believe that the discoveries of biology, chemistry, physics, and geography can be manipulated to our advantage. Those who follow science place their faith in renewable energy to solve global warming and improved agricultural practices to solve global famine. The political lens would lead us to believe that democracy and debate has organized the world into a series of civilized societies, each with their own distinct cultures, traditions and laws to maintain balance and order as we negotiate living amongst one another. Those who follow politics place their faith in national and international policies to tackle issues like the drugs trade, modern slavery, or even terrorism. The economic lens would lead us to believe that the manufacture and trade of goods drives economic success for the good of the people. Those who follow economics hope that the global trade will eradicate poverty by providing employment, producing cheap goods of affordable to low-income families, and distributing taxes fairly to the benefit of all. If we combine the lenses of science, politics, and economics together to form a much bigger lens through which to see the world, this lens is most commonly known as modernity. And it is through this lens that modern humanity finds themselves looking to make sense of today's chaotic world. Since you were very small, schools, TV and grown-ups taught you to see the world through the modernity lens. Science knows all, politics governs all, economics drives all. It's the way the world works, so you better get to work, become a success and contribute to the ever-advancing machine. There's nothing fundamentally wrong with seeing the world through the modernity lens. If used correctly, it can offer practical solutions to practical problems that humans face now and in years to come. However, none of these lenses seem to soothe the discomfort we feel living in the chaos of this world. Despite having better living conditions today than the kings and queens of old, a great many of us feel that creeping touch of imposter syndrome, low self-esteem, anxiety or depression that warps our relationship with ourselves. I fear that this is due in some part to it being so easy to become distracted by staring into the modernity lens too deeply and for too long. In tonight's second reading, C.S. Lewis calls us out on doing just that. Our obsession with fi fixating on the threats of modern society 
paralyzes us with anxiety and stops us from living life to the fullest. Whether the victim of a Viking invader, a cancerous tumor, a German air raid, or the atomic bomb, human existence has always been plagued by what was a threat to society at the time. But instead of succumbing to fear or worse, pessimism, in the most spectacularly British stiff upper lip of ways, C.S. Lewis concludes, it is perfectly ridiculous to go about whimpering and drawing long faces because the scientists have added one more chance of painful and premature death to a world which already bristled with such chances and in which death itself was not a chance at all, but a certainty. To paraphrase Mr. Lewis, we're all about to die someday. So stop fretting over that possibility and live your life with meaning and fullness. They may break our bodies, he goes on to say. A microbe can do that. But they need not dominate our minds. So the modernity lens, for all it can show us how the world works, it can't show us why the world exists. It gives function to our lives, but it can't give us meaning. Only the spiritual lens can do that. The spiritual lens gives our lives a sense of perspective and purpose. Through it, we can see God and cre creation. We can feel connected to the earth. We can stare at a spider's web frozen with a thousand tiny icicles on a January morning under a crystal clear blue sky and feel complete. The spirituality lens gives us our why. There's a great quote by Dr. Peter Kreef in his book, C.S. Lewis for the Third Millennium. In it, he says, we are the first civilization that does not know why we exist. Every past civilization had some sort of religious answer to that question. But the essence of modernity is the abandonment of that religious foundation. And so our civilization has no idea why we are here. In doing some research for this sermon, I found some essays that suggested that the people of Galilee, where Jesus recruits the fishermen, were some of the most religious in the world at that time. It's quite contrary to the common view that the Galileans were just simple, uneducated peasants from an isolated area. This perspective is probably due to the comments made earlier in the Bible that appear to belittle the people in Galilee. But they weren't just peasants from a fishing community. They could speak several languages. They interacted with people of the world who passed through the town on the trade route. They were known for their great love of scripture and the passion and desire to be faithful to it. More famous Jewish teachers come from Galilee than anywhere else in the world. Although Galilee was very much so a place subject to the world's chaos, it shows the spiritual lens through which to see it. So it's no real surprise that James, John, Simon and Andrew immediately jump out of the boat. But when Jesus isn't a physical man to follow, 
And it can be very difficult at times to feel God's presence in the everyday chaos of our lives. What can we do to cope? I'd like to leave you with a challenge. I'd like, to leave, uh, I'd like you to leave the sermon with a greater level of mindfulness about what lens you're looking at a certain situation from. Perhaps when it comes to COVID, the scientific lens will be best. When it comes to preserving democracy and human rights, the political lens will help us focus our attention. Where food banks are a necessity for too many, use the economic lens to help enact change. But when it comes to all of these situations, COVID, human rights, poverty, use the spiritual lens too. When you're overwhelmed by anxiety, anger, or pessimism about what's going on in the world today, take a moment to remember that God has you safe. Death is not the end. Love your enemy as well as your neighbor, who is probably hurting just as much as you. And that way, the world can suck just a little bit less for all of us. Amen. And now, my friends, we come to our prayers. Uh, and I'm going to begin by lighting the uh, HIV and AIDS candle. When I say, God of love, please respond, hear our prayer. We pray for all those people across the world who are infected or affected by the HIV virus or by AIDS. Let us pray for the coming of the day when every person on the planet who needs them has access to cheap or free medication, which will ensure a normal lifespan for them and comfort for their loved ones. God of love, hear our prayer. Let us remember all of those who are suffering and dying from COVID-19, including their families and friends. Let us hold them before God, along with the medical and support staff and the key workers across the community who risk their own lives in order to save or serve others. God of love, hear our prayer. As we approach Holocaust Memorial Day, we recall the millions of people brutally tortured and killed by the Nazis across the world before and during the Second World War. We ask God to give us the strength and determination never to forget this horror perpetrated on innocent men, women and little children. To teach remembrance to our children 
that we may never see it repeated ever again. God of love, hear our prayer. Let us give God thanks for our own lives, for our loved ones, for our community of faith in Northern Lights MCC, and for our continuing ability to open our arms and our hearts to everyone who feels alone or who feel themselves to be on the margins of society. Together we are strong, and with God we are never alone. God of love, hear our prayer. Let us remember before God the political situation in the wider world, especially for the dire situation in Yemen and for new, the new administration in America. These two situations are both desperately needy in different ways. May the people of Yemen be fed and cease to having to live in a war zone and America finds stability and peace. God of love, hear our prayer. Let us thank God for our beautiful planet and for all the dedicated people working to protect it from the ravages of human actions. Let us ask God to show us how to play our part in the preservation of our world for the benefit of our children and our children's children throughout future generations. God of love, hear our prayer. We remember everyone whose names are written in our church intercessions book, and especially for Mikey's mam, our dear Kelly, and Judy, Margaret's partner, and all those who reside in our hearts, those living and those who have died. God of love, hear our prayer. Let us now say together the prayer which Jesus taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. My friends, I'd like to thank everybody who has taken part in leading this service tonight um, for our readers, for Ashley, 
uh, and especially uh, for our new uh, AV team uh, of Al and Anna, who've done splendidly, I think. Um, I wish I could say the same about myself. Uh, but anyway, uh, the final blessing. Uh, no, we'll say the grace first. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen. Let us now go forth to continue thanking God for the blessings of our lives and our earnest desire to share these blessings with others. Determined to let Christ's words come to fruition in us, to protect the planet in every way we can, to feed the hungry and to remember the sacrifices others have made and continue to make on our behalf. In the name of our loving creator, the Son and the Holy Spirit, Amen. Go in the peace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God.